God, you should change the way you lift your voices. That should change the way you sing if you really think I'm singing to God, unless you are singing to the worship team or to the ceiling or to the person next to you. Then, yeah, then I would be worried about my voice and my tone and whether I'm in the right key. But what if I'm talking to God? What if everything I'm saying when I worship is just me communicating? My, I mean, when we sing worship songs, it's to worship God, not the people up here, not the person sitting next to you, not anybody in this room. It's for God. So that means I'm talking to God because who else am I singing to? And if I'm singing to God, then it should not matter um, who hears me, what they think of my voice, what they think of whether my hands are up or not up or whatever. None of that should matter because I'm talking to God. So think about that when you think about prayer, that singing uh, worship music, if you're worshiping God in your singing, is prayer as well. It's a form of worship. It's a form of prayer. I sing praises to God. Think about that next time you decide I'm not singing or I'm not going to, you know, like think about that. That should hit. I want that to hit hard, right? All right. So we're going to be in uh, Romans 1, 9 through 13 as we close out this series. I'm going to read the scripture first. Uh, 1136. All right. For God, whom I, this is Paul, for God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now at last by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. He goes on to say, for I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Lastly, he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and I've been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even among the rest of the Gentiles. So what we're going to be doing today is pretty much giving like the be attitudes of prayer, all right? We're going to tell you what you should be when you pray or, or like how you should go about doing prayer. So when we talk to God, it's like if you're, like if you're writing notes, when we talk to God, dot, 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 dot. Now we're going to answer some things and just put some points in there. The first one's going to be be real. When we talk to God, be real. And what I'm saying with that is not necessarily, you know, come clean or tell them exactly what's on your mind and all that. When I say be real, when I say when you talk to God, be real, I mean if you say that you're going to pray, actually pray. Be real. Going to uh, Romans 1, 9, look at this. It says, for God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son, is my witness. So you got for God, and then this parenthetical phrase, uh, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son. We're going to get to that next week as we open up a new series about the gospel. But he says, basically, for God is my witness. All right? Look at that. For God is my witness. I got a question to ask you. Every time you get on Facebook, every time you uh, text, or you're, maybe you're talking to somebody before service here, and you say praying for you, or I'm going to pray for you, could you actually call God as a witness if you were brought to court for it? Hmm? Like, like if I, Larry, if I sat here and was like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, man, I'm praying for you, or I'll be praying for you this week. Could next week... 
I go into some spiritual court, hypothetically, and you say, man, I'm accusing you of not praying for me. And I could say, oh, God, can you come sit on the witness stand and let him know that I've been praying for you? You see, that's, that's real. Like, like Paul says, I, you can ask God himself that I've been praying for you. You can actually put God on the witness stand. And that word witness in the Greek is where we get our word martyr from, right? Meaning, like, I believe in something so much I'm willing to die for it. I, I'm a martyr. I, I, like, um, Stephen in the Bible was the first martyr of Christianity, technically. So, like, would God be able to stand on your I'm praying comment? We got the, the, the church prayer request little chat, right? And every time people hop in there, somebody puts their story in there, their hurts, their worries, their requests, or whatever, and we praying, 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 praying. How many of you actually do it? How many of you, how many of you could actually say, God, hey, let them know that I actually did this? And then, and then if he was to sit on that stand and be your witness, what would his testimony be like about it? How would he testify about your prayer? I mean, yeah, he prayed. He said, hey, um, hey, could you think about Larry, too, while you're at it? Like, that, right? Like, yeah, he, he prayed. He talked to me about him, but he just said, oh, and Larry, too, and whatever he asked about. Like, like think about that. Like, like how, how many of us are like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you, and then maybe you do get to your prayer, and you're like, I'm praying for me, 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 me. Oh, yeah, and all the other things that people ask me to pray for, too. And you try to, like, lump it in one lump sum, right? Like, you're like, and, and, and everybody else that asked me for a prayer this week, if you could just bless them too. And, then, and, then, and so then you bring God to the witness stand, for God is my witness that I prayed for you. And he's like, oh, so when you said everybody else, you was talking about him too? Okay, yeah, mm -hmm, yep, he prayed for you. Like, what, what kind of testimony is that? Like, what, how would he testify? So Paul says, for God is my witness. Like, you could talk to God yourself and know that I've prayed for you. That's, that's real prayer. If, if, if I needed an alibi of who I've been spending time with in regards to your request, I can call on God, and he will be able to, I tried to get this word right last service, corroborate, corroborate, corroborate. I like CSI too, so I don't know why I can't get that right. But would he be able to corroborate your alibi? Would he be able to be on the witness stand and say, yes, yes, Zach did go to prayer for you. Yes, David did pray for you, and he prayed passionately and earnestly. Yes, Georgia did lift up that problem you've been worried about. Yes, your marriage was lifted up to the heavens, and I heard, and I listened. Yes, I can testify to that. Are your prayers real? When you say, I'm praying, are you really praying? And I would say, because of that, you have to start thinking like this. That 15 minutes before service, which is really late because it's like 11.05. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, if you need to pull somebody to the side and say, you know what? I know Emily and them are about to start worship, but I want to pray for you right now so that not only is God my witness, but you're my witness that I'm praying for you. If I'm on the phone with you and you're telling me about what's going wrong, you know what? Let, before we get off the phone, it's going to take five more. I know you got to get off. I know you got to hang up. I know you got a meeting to get to. But it's that important to me that God could be my witness 
and that even you could be my witness that I'm lifting up exactly what you requested of me because it matters that much to me. That's real talk. That's real prayer. Not these Facebook messages in the comments that you never get around to. Not these chat groups that you say it and think that's enough. Will you actually pray? Will you actually go to who you claim is the creator of the heavens? What more could you do for someone than go to God on their behalf? Hmm? If he really is the God in the beginning, there was God, right? If, if that's really him in the beginning, then what more could you do for anybody's situation than take it to the one who is in complete control of the universe? It is the greatest. I know that the world's telling you something different. The world says we're tired of prayer. Do something. Okay, I am. I'm first before I do anything. I'm talking to the one in control of all things. Right? If you really believe that, then the greatest thing you could do for someone else and their problem is go to the problem solver. Too many of us, think about it. If I have an electrical problem in my house, I'm not calling my dentist, right? I'm calling the electrician, right? If I need a haircut, I'm calling Corey. I'm not calling some of y'all other people who don't know nothing about black hair. Like, I'm, call, I'm calling Corey, right? Like, Corey, you know how to cut my hair. Cut my hair, bro. So, so, like, so like, why would we call on anybody else to solve spiritual problems other than God? Hmm? Some of us want to call on Dr. Phil, Oprah. And that, you know what I mean? And this self-help magazine, self-help book, and, and I, call on God first. There's a spiritual problem. There's something that I can't do anything about, but I know the great I am. I know the one in control. So I am really going to go into that throne room with the access that Jesus granted me, and I'm going to make a request for you. And if you don't believe me, ask God yourself when we get to heaven. How many of you can say that just in the prayers that have been requested of you this week? And how many of you, if you're being honest, can say, man, God probably couldn't testify to 60% of the times I said I was praying. Let that hit you and change it. Change it. Make that change and say, you know what, I'm going to start doing this for real because I need to be real when I talk to God. I need to be real about prayer. So, be real. He says, God is my witness. God is his witness. I really am praying for you. But my second point right here is be relentless. So be real, but also be relentless in your prayer. He goes on in that verse after saying, God is my witness. Witness to what? As to how unceasingly I make mention of you. In other words, Every time I talk to God, I'm talking about you. I always bring you up. Yes, there's other things I talk to God about, but I'm always talking to God about you. Any of you got the kids that are like in that age group right there, that two, three, four, five, whatever age, or have had kids two, three, four, five, whatever age? Y'all remember them long road trips? And when they want an answer, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Okay. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Are we there now? It's like it's been five minutes. All right. Uh, oh, popped in my head again. Are we there yet? Right? Like the kids will show you really quick what 
unceasingly praying looks like. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Not yet? Okay, I'm going to wait five more minutes. What about now? Now? Now you're like, no, I said five hours. I don't know what five hours is, so I'm going to try it again, right? Like, that's how, they, that's how they talk to their parent. That's how they talk to their father because they really want an answer. They really want, they, they have a request. Are we there yet? Or what about when the kids do the whole pretty please with cherries on top and sprinkles and all? You, you got one of the, yeah, pretty please. Like, mommy, pretty, pretty please. Like with super duper cherries on top, pretty please. And they, they get that little voice and they keep asking and they're making this request and they're unceasing about it because whatever they want really matters to them. So look what Paul is saying. Remember, Paul is talking about making mentions unceasingly of somebody else. All right, look at the seating arrangement in here real quick. See how you can see those people across, and you can see those people across, and you got this little awkward feel? Yeah, I love it. When's the last time any of you have prayed for any of them, and when's the last time any of you have prayed for any of them? You guys are lucky in the middle. That's why I tried to get people in the middle. They don't want to listen. All right, now, if you're being honest, probably... Some, a little bit, maybe not at all. Okay, and the, the first thing we would say is, well, I don't know them. But this is what you do know. They're your church family. Whether you know them or not, those are your siblings, and those are your siblings. Whether you know them closely or not, this is your family. Paul didn't know the majority of the people in Romans, and yet he couldn't stop talking to God about them. Think about that. And so what happens is they mattered that much to him that he couldn't keep his mouth quiet. When he thought to talk to God, he talked about them. How many of you talk about each other to God in a good way? I know y'all probably be like, get on my nerves. Come no, no, I'm talking about in a good way, right? And, and then forget each other. What about that church in China that you might not even notice, but just got destroyed? They went in, they kicked Christians out, they tore the building down because it was a Christian church. Have you prayed for them? Do you even know about them? Have you even read up on anything going on outside of Brownsburg, Indiana, in the world today in regards to Christianity? You got Google. We, I mean, Paul didn't have Google and still knew what was going on somewhere else. You have Google. What's the last time you Googled Christian persecution in the world today? Just so that you could add to your prayers and make mentions of these people you do not know, but you know their family. Like, like I, I've always seen church as a family reunion. Like, when I go to my family reunion, Larry, there's Cousin Pete, Cousin Eddie. I don't know them, but they family, right? And we here together, so you family, I'm family, I love you, whatever. It's the same thing here. I know not everybody knows everybody in here, but you should be praying for them or trying to get to know them. I can't stand when somebody comes in who's regular and they just sit there alone and they're just sitting there, and it's like, is no, I know you got your clicks and everything. That's cool, but you talk to them all week long. How about you go talk to the person that's sitting by themselves because it's your family? Or it's not your family, and you should want for them to be your family. And maybe it's your conversation. Maybe it's you sitting down next to them that will lead them to Christ. So Paul says, I don't even know the majority of you, but I want to get to you so badly that every time I talk to God, I make mention of you. Have you prayed like that for anybody other than yourself? Have you, have you seriously, like, have you really done that for anybody other than yourself because they mattered that much? And remember, supplication, for those of you who were on here that were here um, Thursday for the Bible study, 
Supplication. We can supplicate for ourselves. Most of us are good at that. But we supplicate for others or intercede for others. But here's what the word means. The word means your burden burdens me as much as it burdens you. And so I go to God with that. You, you may pray for people, but it doesn't really burden you. Oh, what you going through? Uh-huh, hurry up, hurry up. Uh-huh, yeah, okay, I'm going to pray for that. And then you say a little prayer, and then you're just going about your life. And you ain't, you, how many times did you pray? Well, they only told me about it once, so I prayed once, right? But when something burdens you and you really want to know, are we there yet? Has he answered yet? Has he responded yet? Hey, 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 Nussbaumer, did he answer that prayer yet? No. Have you, have you seen any, any praise reports? Nothing. Okay, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. Because if it's bothering you, brother, it's burdening me as well. And I, I can't stop making mention of your request in my prayers because it's still bothering you. And so it's still bothering me. What happens when you pray like that? Hmm? Because you do it for yourself. But what happens when you do it for others? Huh? This is what we want. We want you to be relentless. Be real. Actually do it. And then be relentless about it because it matters that much to you. Give me my next slide, Leah. I want you to see this. You find out how important the request you are making to God is by how relentless you are. How important is the request? Go back. How important is the request you are making to God to you? Think about that. You're, you're making this request to God saying it's important, but you're not showing it's important. How important is the request you're making to God to you? That's what the relentlessness will show. If it really matters, you're going to keep asking. You're going to keep asking. When it's something else in life, you keep asking, right? Like if Brittany was like, um, hey, babe, can you make your chili? I'm going to make it. Okay. Next day, you making your chili today? Because I really want the chili. Oh, yeah, honey, I told you I'm going to get to it. All right, what about this weekend? You doing it this weekend? Like, like, you just keep asking because you really want something, right? We can do that in just normal earthly things. How much more for the spiritual things and for each other, right? All right, so uh, be uh, real, be relentless, but here goes be reliant. Be reliant. This is going to hurt uh, some of your theology probably, so just be patient and let me get through the whole thought. Verse 10, verse 10, Paul says, always in my prayers making requests, if perhaps now at least by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. I want you to see this. He says in his prayers, in his talking to God, he makes requests, all right? Not demands, he makes requests. Let's just start there. Many of us pray saying it's a request, but it's actually a demand, right? You're, you're not asking God. You're telling God. You're, you're not saying, I wish to come to you because you've been taught that the power is in your request. The power is in your prayer. They teach it all the time. There's power in prayer. Okay, let me just hold off. I know you're about to be like, what? There is power in my prayer. Hold on. All right, just hold on. I know what you've been taught. But look what Paul says here. In my prayers, he's always making request, okay, asking God, not a demand, asking God so that if perhaps now at last, look at this, by the will of God I may succeed. The power is in the will of God. Let me explain. You can pray in the spirit, 
through Jesus Christ to God, okay? And because you're making that request to God, uh, Yahweh Elohim, the God of the Bible, all right, if he responds, there's power in his will of his response. But here's another thing. People pray to Allah. People pray to Buddha. People pray to whatever this rubber thing is. <laughs> like, like, you can pray to anything. So if power's in your prayer, if power is in your words saying something to anything, then why do you need God? Why do you need to pray to God? The power's in your prayer. But if his success of his request lies in the will of God, then where is the power, right? So that doesn't mean you don't pray. No, no, no. That's a part of it. You pray. You make your request known to the one who has the power. What's happening is many of us are praying thinking because we said it, that seals it. We think, well, I'm a good Christian. I've been blah, 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 blah. So when I said this person needs to blah, 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 then it should happen because of my standing in the church. I am the pastor. There's no power in your title. There's no power in your position. All the power lies in the will of God. Now, being very sensitive, I want you to hear this. We've allowed the world to infiltrate our thinking in our view. The world has sayings that force us to look at things from a world view. There, there, there are things out there, if God was really God, why would this happen? See, that's your demand. You demand that if God is the God that you believe in, then this shouldn't happen in the world, right? That's a demand, not a request. And so when you make demands to God and he doesn't fulfill your demands, you stop believing, your faith gets shaky, you become agnostic, atheist, because if he was really God, he wouldn't let this happen. Well, why not? Because you said so? Think about that. Think, and I know that's heavy, and I know that hits hard, but I have to open this up for you. Paul says, I make requests that by the will of God I may succeed. So just because he doesn't answer your request, it doesn't make him less of God unless you're thinking in your mind that your God will answer your demands and do as you say. I talked to God and I told him that I needed this to heal or I needed that money or I needed that job or I needed that relationship or I needed this. And since he didn't reply, he must not be real. He must not be the God that I thought, I don't believe in him no more. I'm shaking in my faith. And it's like, well, then you weren't requesting anything. You were demanding something. And you thought because you said it or because of your circumstances, because of your situation, that he should respond the way you want him to respond. And now your prayer was not a request. It was a demand. And you think that the power is in your demand because of your circumstances. And that's not how it works. This is what breaks a lot of people's faith. They're not reliant on God. They're reliant on their theology of, because I said it, he has to do it. Because I said it, and I really, really need it. No, that's not how it works. Paul made a request, but said, only by the will of God will this request succeed. If God says no, then it's no. If God says yes, it's yes. It's 
All power is in him. I'm just making a request because I know where the power comes from. So look at this. Go to my next verse. Philippians 4, 6. Look at this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, look at it, by prayer and supplication. So like I said, you need to pray. You need to supplicate, right? You need to pray. You need to supplicate with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Don't think, well, he's God and he's all powerful. What's the point? No, no, because he told you to. He said pray, supplicate with thanksgiving. Make your request known. And look at this. The peace of God, which surpasses all logical thinking, all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, look how this works. Let me show you how this works. I take my problems my fears, my doubts, my worries, my, my wants, my needs. I take it all and I go to him in prayer and I beg him and I'm real and I'm relentless. And because I know that with my relationship with Jesus Christ, I have bold and confident access to the throne of the one who created the world, the one who knows all my desires, the one who can make a way out of no way, because I know that I can stand before him on the throne, I make my requests known, and then I have peace, regardless of the results. Why? Because the one who's in control of it all has heard me, and I know he has heard me, because the Bible says through Christ, he hears me. So now, I have a peace that makes no sense to the world. The world is looking at me, Rashad, this just happened to you. How can you be okay? Because I took it to God and gave it to him, and I know he heard me. See, the non-believer is not sure. Did he hear me? I think he heard me. No, no. I know without a shadow of a doubt that when I talk to God because of my relationship with Jesus Christ, he hears me. I know he hears me. Regardless of if he responds with a yes, a no, a be still, if he doesn't respond from my earthly perspective, it doesn't matter. I know he heard me, and that's enough to give me peace because he is the creator of all things, and I actually believe that. So he heard me. I'm good. I'm not fretting. I'm not tripping. He heard me, and I know he heard me. So I am a o. Okay, I have a peace that you just won't understand, boo-boo. Why? Because I'm good to go. He heard me. That can hurt because when them prayers go unanswered from our point of view, when things don't go the way we want, we think he didn't hear us, but the Bible says he heard you. This is his will. And we don't like that because we made a demand, not a request. You see, when I pray, I make requests, knowing that it could be yes, it could be no. What would it look like if Genesis made a request of me, and I said no, and she said, then you're not real? Right? Dad, can I drive to Cincinnati? No, Genesis, you cannot drive to Cincinnati. You have school tomorrow. Well, then you're not real. That would make no sense, right? Or you're not my father because I said no to your request. But that's what we do. Because she wasn't asking anything. She was making a demand. I wasn't asking you. I was telling you, right? So think about that. We, is it really the will or not? So uh, Psalm 127, look what it says right here. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, 
They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. In other words, you can build all you want, but if the Lord ain't building it, you're laboring in vain. You can watch all you want, but if the Lord doesn't keep the city, you're watching it in vain. You can pray all you want, but if you really want the will of God, then it's going to be up to him what happens from there. You just request. And that's, the, that's why you have to have faith and be unwavering in your prayer and trust that whatever his response is, it is the perfect response. That is so hard for the me-centric Christianity of today. My way, my will, not God's will. God's will is not the only way. It's not the best way. I think it would have been better. So this is what happens. You don't get the response you want, and you go try to make a way out of no way. See where that gets you. See where that gets you. Yeah, I'm like you, dope, like dope, right? Yeah, we, we, we don't get the response we want, so we try to make a way. Man, God didn't bless me financially, so I'm going to go hit the streets and hustle. Then I go to jail, and then it's everybody else's fault because I was selling dope. And, but I'm going to go ahead and do my time because God, <laughs> yeah, you're going to do your time because you didn't want to wait on God. You see what I'm saying? My marriage is this and that, and I'm not going to wait on God to heal my marriage, so I'm going to go start looking at other prospects, and now you got baby mama drama and drama, 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 and all kinds of drama because you didn't got somebody else pregnant because you didn't want to wait on God in your marriage for him to fix your marriage, but, but, but it's her fault. Like, like, I'm, like, think about this now. I can go on and on and on. I can go on and on and on about how we get a response from God that we don't like or something doesn't happen because it's not the will of God yet. Delay's not denial. But we're, we can't wait on him, and instead we go make a way out of no way on our own. And that way is not Yahweh, it's your way. Oh, I'm rapping now. All right. I told you, I don't give me a mic, man. It's about to get bad. All right. So you have to be reliant on him. Give me my next slide. Look what this says. Our prayer has no power. Who we pray to has all power. Right? You think just because you said it, it has to happen. That's not the power. It's who you're praying to. Go to my next slide. Look at this. Make requests, but remember that the success of your requests relies on him. You have to remember that. If not, I'm telling you right now, I've seen people walk away from their faith because their request was denied. All right? Make your request then trust that whatever he responds is the right thing. The success or not is based on him, not you. Next up, it says, be reduced. We're almost finished here. Be reduced. So you need to be real. Actually be able to call God to the witness stand for your prayer, right? You need to be relentless, always asking, always making mention of that thing that matters to you, but be reliant or dependent on him, knowing that you're just making a request. I'm, Father, I'm just making a request. Whatever you see fit from their own is up to you, and I'm with that. But be reduced. In other words, I must decrease so that he may increase. Go into the scriptures. Look at this. He says, for I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you Maybe. You see how this, request, this, this longing that he has, this, this unceasing prayer that he has is for somebody. It's not even for him. All we do is pray about ourselves and our needs. You ever heard that thing where they say if God answered your prayers, would anybody else be blessed but you? You ever heard that? Like if God answered your prayers, would anybody else in the world be blessed other than you? Because that tells you what your prayer life is like. Like, okay, God, he's going to answer your prayers. And the only person that comes out on top is you. Because you ain't praying for nobody else. Mm. 
That hurts, right? That, that, that hits. So look at Paul. I long to see you. Why? Because I want to impart some spiritual gift to you so that you can be established. This is a kingdom heart right here. This is a cross-focused heart, not a, not a comfort-focused heart. It's about the saints and salvation, not self and sin and safe. Like, and this right here, this is the heart you're supposed to come into the church with. We come into church, and all we want to do is consume. It's me, 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 me. That's why you don't like the worship. That's why you don't like the preaching. That's why, you gotta, that's why all you got is complaints about the church, because you're worried about what it looks like to you. But what happens when you come in here, and all you want to do is give of yourself and your resources and what you have to others because you know that others will be given to you. That's what Paul says. I long to be with you people who I do not know so that I can give myself and my gifting to you. Every time I go preach out of state at a conference or whatever, I'm so excited. Not because of the platform, not because I get to preach in front of a whole bunch of people, but I get to take the gift that God has given me and share it with people I don't know. And I, and I already know God's going to do something with it. Like, I'm, I'm not nervous about the preaching part. I'm like, I'm going to preach. And whatever he does with that, I can't wait to give it to him. And then I can't wait to get back from them. Look at this. Paul goes on in Romans 1.12. Look, he says, that is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you. This is, uh, you know how we get our word synchronized? The S-Y-N means together. This is a word that kind of has the synchronized base in it. It means together comforted. It's like sin pericoleo, pericolete. Um, it's together comfort. So Paul, who wrote 13 letters of the New Testament, all right? Paul, who by every, everybody here would say, Paul's like that spiritual giant, right? Like, he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He wrote half the New Testament. There's only 27 books in the New Testament. Paul wrote 13 of them, right? And he's talking to this church of people he don't really know, people he's kind of growing in their faith through this letter and says, but even I can be encouraged by you, by your faith. You see, like, I want to come and give all of myself to you, but I want to take something from you as well. Have you ever thought about that? Like, one thing that's wrong with church in America is this. The pastor is supposed to give all of himself to you and doesn't get nothing in return in terms of spiritual encouragement because everybody thinks that all, they, all they're here to do is feed. I mean, excuse me, is eat and not feed. If you would go home and read your Bible, if you would go home and study a little bit, then we could sit down together, Right? And I could impart some, some encouragement to you, and you could impart some encouragement to me. I mean, think about this. We're supposed to be having joy together as we agree on God's word together. That's what the yes, amen, and hallelujah is for. When I'm asking people to be here and good morning, I need the encouragement. I, I need to know that if you know we're reading Romans for five years, have you read it yet? So, like, seriously, y'all know we're going to be here for five years. Have you opened up Romans yet, or do you just wait to come in here and get it from me? Hmm? Because if you were reading it, then we could sit down on a Tuesday uh, at Best Friends or something, and we could talk about Romans together. I know I'm the teacher. I get it, but I can get something for you. Paul's basically saying I should be able to come to church on a rock. You guys are studying a letter that I wrote, and I should still be able to be encouraged by you. That's what he's saying. I, 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 but you wrote 13 books. I don't care. This is, this is God we're talking about. This is God's word. I should be able to sit down among you. That's what Paul's saying. And you should be an encouragement to me. Can, can you guys say that you're grounded in your faith enough to do that? 
This is a responsibility to each other. You know, I, 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 I had um, dinner the other night, and I was encouraged by the conversation I was having as we just talked about God. I wasn't sitting there saying, mm, that's the wrong Greek word. Nah, mm-mm. You're at the no, we just talked about God, and I was encouraged. It, it rejuvenates me. And, and all you got to do is open the Bible for yourself and get grounded. Give me my next verse. Look, this is all you got to do. Therefore, as you, everybody in this room who believes in Christ, look, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in him. Why? Look what happens. Look what happens. Because you'll be firmly rooted and being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed. So why? So that you can overflow with gratitude. I studied 30 to 40 hours, I studied 30 to 40 hours a week for sermons, okay? Literally, 30 to 40, ask my wife, 30 to 40 hours a week to put a sermon together, okay? All you get is about 20% because all you really get is the overflow, That's what you get. I ground myself, root myself, establish myself. And then when I get here, the reason I barely use notes, because I'm just overflowing. If I use my notes, we gonna, boy, we're gonna be here for a minute. I'm just, I'm just overflowing with gratitude and with the things that I've been firmly grounded in. What if you just spent time with God so that when we sit down together, whether it's with me, whether it's five non-families, whether it's Bible study, whatever it is, you're not just consuming, but you have something to just overflow. And you're established in it. You're rooted in it. So you're not like, oh, I'm scared to say this because it might be. The-. No, no. You're like, I know this what the Bible says. I read it. I've been reading it all week. This is what it says, and I just want to share this. Man, when you know something, like, y'all know when you're like in an argument or something with somebody and you got a fact that they don't know about yet, you're like, ooh, wait till I... Mm. It's like playing spades and you know you got that card and you like wait till I throw this down. You can't wait to tell somebody, right? And it'd be the same, it'd be this exact same thing. Like you get in the word, and I love it when people call me and they're like, Pastor, turn to Ezekiel. And I turn to Ezekiel. They're like, you know what that means? And I'm like, no, I'm studying Romans. I don't know what this means right this moment. It means this, and they can't wait to tell me. And I'm encouraged. I am so encouraged. And I don't feel threatened or anything. I feel encouraged because we're all growing in God's word at that moment. That's what it's supposed to be like. So that's when you say, like, the harvest is plenty. The workers are few because the workers won't work. They won't dig. They won't grow. Consumers. The harvest is plenty because the workers who are supposed to be working the harvest just want to be the harvest. They don't want to work. Get in your Bibles. So Matthew 6.33, I want you to see this real quick as well. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. Everything else will be added to you. In other words, if you're just seeking kingdom kingdom things in your prayer, don't worry about you. He's got you. You just seek the kingdom, right? So this is what happens with the points here. Go to my next slide. It says, God's answers to your prayers are about his will, not your wants. You have to know that. God's answers to your prayers are about his will first, not your wants. And then my next slide says this. When we reduce ourselves in our prayers, the reasons for our requests become cross-focused about saints and salvation and not comfort-focused where it's just self, safe, and sin. Because we will pray for sin, believe it or not. We will pray for sin. It's crazy, but we pray to a holy God about sinful things. And I've seen that very often. But that's because it's, we're so we're comfort and self-focused that we'll even go to our holy God to make sinful requests. That's that. But when you are cross-focused, you're looking at saints, you're looking at salvation. I want to come see you. Why? To grow the kingdom, to impart things to you. And here's my final point. Be receiving. 
All right? So be real, be relentless, be reliant, and be reduced. But finally, be receiving. So I'm going to read that section one more time. It says, for I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. That's a, that's a cross-focused thing, right? He says that you may be established. So he's focused on others. And then he says that is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by, other, by the other's faith, both yours and mine. But look at this. He says, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far. So think about this. Paul is praying for all the right reasons, right? Like we see this. We just walked through it. He's being real about his prayer. God's my witness. He's, making, uh, he's being relentless, right? He's like, I'm unceasingly praying for you. I'm doing this over and over and over again. He knows that it's by the will of God, right? Only by the will of God will this request succeed, right? And then he goes on, and he's even reduced. Everything he's praying for is for somebody else. And yet, look at this. He's made the plans to come see them, but he's been prevented. Can you receive that? Can you receive that you come to church every Sunday and, and you give and you serve and you're living this Christian life and you're doing everything you're supposed to do and yet your request has been rejected? Can, can you receive that? Because there's, there's many of us who think, well, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Why am I being prevented from my request? Can you actually see God's will as the best will for your life? Let me show you what Christ did. Look at this. Christ said, it says, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray. And look what he says. He said, Father, if you are willing, here's his request. If you are willing, remove this cup from me. If you're willing, who's done life better than Jesus? Nobody, right? So if anybody had a request that should be answered, right? Jesus says, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, right? That's my request. But look, yet not my will, but yours be done. Can you receive that? Can you actually receive that? This is life-changing for your prayer. This is life-changing that you can look at your life and know that, Father, what I'm asking you, I know it's a good thing. Paul's like, I want to come see you so I can pour into you, so I, can, so I can pastor you somewhat, so I can grow you, so you can grow me. That's fellowship. That's in the Bible. I also want access to you so that I can go to Spain. I want to go further with the gospel. I'm trying to be the hands and feet. I, I, this is what I want to do, and I've been making all these requests to him, and he's prevented me from doing it. And he, even with the excitement that he's writing with, he's like okay with that. He receives that. Can you receive that? Can you actually be okay that you're doing everything right? Unanswered prayer doesn't mean you're in the wrong about anything. It just means it's not God's will. It just means it's not God's will. Like not, and it may not, it may be his will, it's just not his will right now. Delay is not always denial, right? Can you receive that though and trust in that? That's the question. And so it works two ways. This is the joy, and as we get ready to have the worship team come up, I want you to see this because it works two ways. So the first way is this. I made this request of things that I know is right. I don't understand why God hasn't answered them, 
but I, I can receive it. I am okay that he has not answered my request. It is his will. Let his will be done. Okay, that's beautiful. That's awesome. But here's the, here's the shout. Here's the praise on the other side, all right? Um, I am often reminded by living in Brownsburg, Indiana, with the background I have in Brownsburg, Indiana, I'm often reminded of who I used to be. Uh, people go to my daughter's workplace and say something slick to her about my past and about what they know about my past. Uh, people have actually talked to members of the church and told them, don't come here because of my past. Let me get off the stage because y'all moving up. <laughs> and, and so what happens is uh, those things hurt. Those reminders haunt, right? But when I go to God in prayer, right, I, I give him the pain and the hurt and the things that are said about me, maybe even the things I think about myself even, right, my own insecurities. I, I give them to him and say, hey, whatever is truth, whatever is your word, whatever is your will, speak that back to me. Because remember, prayer is a conversation, right? I talk to you, I read your word, you talk to me, and I'm like, here's my heart, Lord. Speak what's true. Because they said that I'm a fake. They, they said that none of this is real and it is just, I'm just putting a facade on, I'm just playing a role right now, there's no way. And, and sometimes, in my deepest, darkest moments, I question myself. Because I still mess up and I still fall. And am I really this pastor that you've called me to? I'm not sure. Here's my heart, Lord. Please speak what's true. And whatever you speak back, I'm just going to accept it and receive it as truth. You see how that works on both sides? Father, I want this. But if you don't want this for me, then I don't want this. But in the, same, in the same breath, Father, they called me this. But if you don't call me this, then I'm not this. You see the power of prayer when you just receive what God gives you back? So let that speak to you this morning. I know you've been labeled because that's what America does, right? It labels us. You've been labeled something. And what I'm asking you to do is take that in prayer. Take your heart, your everything. Here's my heart. Here's my everything. My fears, my worries, my depressions, my addictions, my requests, my wants, my desires. I give it all to you, God. And whatever you say and whatever you will is enough. I will rest on that. Speak what is true. Please stand up and sing with us.
playing for me, Clinton. As we close out, if your prayers are real, receive his response to your requests. What's the point in going to God if all you want to receive is your answers and not his response? Too many of us kind of like, yes, man, we want to yes, God. That only says yes to us instead of giving us the truth and giving us what we need. So if you're really praying to God, you want his response, not your answer. If you're really praying to God, you want his response, not your answer. Here's a couple rock responses I want you to go home with. When you really want a response to your request, you will be relentless. Just remember that. You're going to show yourself how much you really want God to move by how often you make mention of a request to him. Prayerfully, those requests are not just yours, but others. Number two, remember that the power of prayer is found in, through, and from the one whom you are praying to, the Lord your God. That means it's also not found in the one whom you're praying to. If you're praying to anybody else but God, there's why you don't have any power in that prayer. I'm not going to move from that. So that goes as well for, like, some people pray to Mother Mary. That's not where the power is at, okay? I mean that. I know some people struggle with that, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The power is not in praying to Mother Mary. It's, it's praying to God. That's not your intercessor. Jesus is. Rock response number three in prayer, give God your heart and allow him to speak what is true. That goes for his will versus your will, but that also goes for his words versus the words of the world. I know this world is cold. Teenagers especially, I know what they're saying about you at school. I know how you feel with the pressures of the test and not measuring to the standards education-wise and coming up short on this and that. God still says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't care what no bully says. I don't care what no boyfriend says or girlfriend says. Your father in heaven says you are his. Let that speak to your heart what is true. Anything else that the world calls you is not true. Give your heart over to him and let him speak to you, teenagers. I mean that. I mean that. And that goes for you adults as well. I don't know what the world has done to you to make you feel some type of way. I don't know where you are right now in your walk. Maybe you don't come to church enough by the world standards. Maybe you don't know enough scripture. Maybe you have... You've, you've been married too many times. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you're struggling in your parenting. You're a single parent. Maybe they've called you ugly, called you fat, too skinny, too whatever. I don't care what the world has called you. All I know is what the word has called you, and that's what is true. That's what is true. So fall back on his word. Give all of that stuff over to him and let him speak what is true. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us this morning. Father, we thank you for speaking what is true to us this morning. 
I ask that if there's anybody who doesn't have that access to you through Jesus Christ, that they believe your word and the truth that you have spoken and said that we are all sinners, Father, who are separated from you because of that sin. And as a result, we need the same Savior, your son, Jesus Christ, so that we may be your children and boldly approach you with every request that we can. Father, I ask that somebody surrenders to that truth right now, that somebody falls down before you, Father, and says, here's my heart, Lord. I receive your son as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he is Lord and Savior. I confess, I agree with you that he is Lord and Savior. Speak what is true. Father, I thank you for the breakthroughs I see taking place right before my eyes. I see those tears falling right now. Father, of people who know what the world is calling them, know what the enemy is trying to hold over their heads, hold over their marriages, hold over their children. And yet, Father, you've told us that we should be anxious for nothing to bring all of our cares to you, Father, through prayer, through supplication, and thanksgiving. And when we make those requests known and when we make those thoughts and those desires known to you, Father, there's a peace that says, I gave it to my Father. He'll take it from there. You said, cast all of our cares on you, Father, because you care. May we actually believe the truth that says you care about us, our circumstances, and our situations more than we do. And therefore, whatever your will is, let it be done. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love you all. Have a great one. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www dot churchontherockbb.com.